It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Most of you already know that. You can check me out on social. I appreciate when you do at Ross Tucker NFL. Love the engagement, by the way, during any games I broadcast, including Eagles, Dolphins, Saturday night. A lot of fantasy football implications, actually, with their joint practices going on right now and the game Saturday night. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. So if you're on Twitter or Instagram, make sure you're following at Ross Tucker Pod. That way you know when the shows are posted and you get the highlight clips. What we think are the best of the best two or three comments from any show that you listen to or watch. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL here on our network. The star of this show is Joe Dolan. All this guy does is fantasy football all day, every day. You can check him out on social media at FG underscore Dolan. He's the fantasy gangster who presides over fantasypoints.com. And you use the code 22FEAST. That's the key. 22FEAST to go to fantasypoints.com. The time is now. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. You're having your draft now. Go to 22FEAST. Use 22FEAST at fantasypoints.com. And cram. A lot of you are procrastinators. Now's the time to cram for your test, which is your draft. By the way, Joe, what do you think is the ideal time to do a draft? I'm just curious. Usually in the evening, Ross. <laughs> no, um, I, I uh, this see if I'm doing my draft, um, with 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 my buddies and, and the leagues. This this is kind of the key time between um, the last week in August and the first week in September. And there are going to be people in the space, and I talk about this uh, with best ball. A lot of people in the space, or some people, I wouldn't say most, but some people certainly look at you know earlier in training camp as the ideal time to draft because they feel like there's a little bit more of an edge that they can get because those of us in the industry have been talking about this season for six months now. So we have we 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 have our we have uh, uh we're more plugged in than other people are, and now you know every Joe Schmo knows about Damian Pierce now, right? But um, we've known about him for five months. So a lot of people will say earlier in August, but if you want to like just have the least frustrating time drafting, because eventually the injury bug bites everybody. There's nothing you can do to avoid that. The the, the the least frustrating time is to draft in the weekend or two right before the season. And the thing that has made drafting earlier, though, a little bit more viable is that a lot of coaches now just do not take the preseason as seriously with their starters as they used to. We now have 
one fewer preseason game in which players can get hurt. And then you now have, you know, what happened with J.K. Dobbins last year. Some coaches, including John Harbaugh, who stupidly, and I will say stupidly, played J.K. Dobbins in their final preseason game last year, um, are pulling back because they don't want guys to get hurt in a meaningless game and completely derail their season. So I actually think drafting earlier is less risky than it used to be. But still, I mean, August, September, these are the weeks like the, heading into the season. This is our Super Bowl for, for fantasy football. Everybody loves drafting. Everybody loves it. Uh, if you play fantasy football and you don't like the draft, then you're not going to like playing fantasy football. There are other things that we do in fantasy that are menial and tedious, which is why, quite frankly, I've eliminated kickers and defenses in some of my leagues because nobody wants to wake up on a Tuesday and have to think about picking up a kicker. Others believe that that's part of the game. It's fun to try to find an edge by having kickers. So, But the draft is the biggest time. It's the most fun time. And drafting closer to the start of the season, I think, and where you can then see your team in action very soon, I think that's what makes sense for the large majority of people. This weekend and next weekend are going to be absolutely massive. And the NFL starting after Labor Day, you know, Labor Day weekend, you have a picnic in your neighborhood, and that's when your fantasy football draft goes down. That's why. That's why I think these weekends are really, really popular. And if you and if you want the most information with your draft, obviously it makes sense to draft later. Yeah. Hold on one second. <laughs> Good timing there, right when Joe Bless finished. You. I just need Gesundheit. So honestly, your draft should be between August thirtieth when they go down to final cuts. Cause that's when there's like little trades and stuff. And, and those, those things will affect things. Yeah. I think for the most part, your draft should be between August 30th and September 8th, the opener. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's like the ideal nine day strike zone, I would say. So let's, so let's take a look at my, at my calendar, Ross. I actually have, I have a fantasy calendar on my Mac. Like, like literally like, you know how you can, you do different color coded ones. I have a fantasy just for drafts. So, uh, well, this is August twenty fourth, and these are season long drafts. I've already done uh, some dynasty rookie drafts, but I have one tonight. I have one Saturday morning. I have one Sunday night. I have one next Wednesday night. I have one next Sunday night. I have one on Labor Day if in my neighborhood that's going to be live. Then I have one on Tuesday night and one on Wednesday night. So the majority of my drafts are after August 30th, but I do have a couple before uh, coming up this weekend, and that's when you cross your fingers and hope nothing happens. So let's dive into what people need to know. There are some people that don't think anything that happens in the preseason is of consequence for fantasy football. Joe, those people are wrong. Those people are very wrong. And they're going to draft Antonio Gibson way higher than they should. Well, I think the thing about Antonio Gibson is uh, dating back to March, the vibes on Gibson have been real bad. Like, you know, like I we probably mentioned this on last week's podcast, but I mean, there was a moment in March when it looked like they were going to lose J.D. McKissick and to the Buffalo Bills. And then, oh, wow, the world for for. Antonio Gibson. Well, they convinced McKissick to come back. Then, you know, they're bringing in 
all kinds of running backs on their top 30 official visits before the draft, including Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, by the way, who were the two best running backs in the class. And then they draft Brian Robinson and Gibson's fumbling. They're like, here's the thing about Gibson. It doesn't look like he's got like the instincts that like a natural running back. And remember, he was a college wide receiver. So Ron Rivera is saying, and and of course he's being diplomatic here, but they're putting him on the kick return team and the punt return team, and they're throwing him the ball in space. And Ron Rivera's like, you know, we got to get him the ball in space. And quite frankly, I feel like that's good for Gibson. The question then becomes, how much does he get used, though? And that's a big time question. I do believe, um, if it, I think Antonio Gibson is probably the best bet to lead this backfield in touches, but I wouldn't be surprised if even though he leads this backfield in total touches, if he gets fewer targets than J.D. McKissick and fewer carries than Brian Robinson. And then what does that mean for fantasy? I mean, I think Washington is probably going to have at best, and I, I mean at best, an above-average offense. That that would probably require Carson Wentz to play better than we've seen him play in three years. But in an average offense, which is where I think they are because they have some talent, what does not getting as many carries as Brian Robinson and not getting as many targets as J.D. McKissick mean? I'm not 100% sure. But I would like to see Washington kind of flex Gibson out wide a little bit. Remember, he was a wide receiver in college. Greg Cosell, who you obviously have on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, thought he profiled best as a big slot receiver in the NFL. Because that's what he was in college, so I'm I'm really interested to see if they if there's a, a a different way they can use Antonio Gibson, and maybe the drafting of Brian Robinson is going to open up uh, some opportunities for Gibson. But for fantasy purposes, man, this is a headache. And if he's going to put the ball on the ground, he's not going to play for Ron Rivera. That's the bottom line. We have some clarity, Joe, since last week on Deshaun Watson's suspension. Yeah. So the question I have is we know he's out for 11 games. It's they settled it. It's there's no discrepancy, there's no dispute. What does it mean for Amari Cooper? What does it mean for Najoku? What does it mean for the running backs? What does it mean I guess even for Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson? Well, here's the thing about Jacoby Brissett. Um He's not very good. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Uh, so for, first, I mean, I hate that I have to talk about this from a fantasy perspective um, because it's really a gross situation. And unfortunately, we have to do this every year um, with, with, with things. But in the average fantasy league, Deshaun Watson is not draftable um, for obvious reasons. He's going to miss 11 games. And on top of that, if you want to play fantasy football for fun and it should be a fun and positive game and you don't want to root for Deshaun Watson, I have no qualms with you doing that. Just take him off your draft board. I mean, but like, let's, let's just say you're like, I'm in this to win it, blah, 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 blah. He's out for the first 12 weeks of the season, 11 games in a bye. He hasn't played football in nearly two calendar years by the time he gets back. I mean, I feel like it's probably a little bit naive in a new city with a new coaching staff, with a new group of weapons behind a new offensive line, that Watson's going to come out here and throw for 350 and three touchdowns every game. So, I mean, and, and also, I mean, I just think he's undraftable in your standard fantasy league right now. As for the Browns offense, presuming they don't make a move for another quarterback, which 
I guess Andrew Barry did slightly leave the door open on that. He said that we believe in Jacoby, but didn't like actually respond to the question of, will you bring in outside help? It's going to be a very boring, very run-heavy offense. Jacoby Brissett is almost zero upside. He averages under 200 passing yards per game in his 37 career starts. The one thing he does do, and this is probably why the Browns pursued him, is he takes care of the football. His career interception rate is a minuscule 1.4%, okay? By comparison, Aaron Rodgers, who is legendary for his ability to avoid interceptions, has a career interception rate of 1.3%. So Jacoby Brissett basically avoids interceptions on the same level as Aaron Rodgers. Of course, Aaron Rodgers is also an elite processor with generational arm talent, and Jacoby Brissett is not that. So... Presuming the Browns don't make a move for like a Jimmy Garoppolo, Brissett, his task is simple. Give the ball to Nick Chubb. Don't throw interceptions. That is what Kevin Stefanski wants him to do. Um, I think it's going to be a mediocre run-based offense with Brissett as a caretaker. And you say what you want about Brissett. He can can caretake. He doesn't turn the ball over. That's that's as good as I can say. Um, Amari Cooper is cheap. And he's going to be a target hog. So I'm actually still okay. He's like a fifth, sixth round pick. I'm all right with that as a wide receiver three. Because I think he, when Brissett throws the ball, that will be the guy. But I think this is going to be a heavy run offense. You know what, Joe? I can't think of a good segue for Athletic Greens, okay. AG1. I was, I'm usually pretty good at it. I'm usually pretty witty. And I come up with some segue. I got nothing. I'm just going to tell you guys about Athletic Greens. How about that? You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens when you get AG1 in your life. For me, I take it in the morning on an empty stomach because I read or heard that that was best before I even have breakfast. I prefer it over any type of multivitamin. It's definitely better for gut health. And I like to drink my veggies rather than eating them. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com feast. Again, that is athleticgreens.com feast to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance all right joe what else matters those were two that were top of mind for me we saw some young guys continuing to play well we see some older guys continuing to look like they might be in the doghouse i'll say this by the way about jacoby Brissett. i thought josh dobbs looked really good you know and and i i don't think they're dying to put him in there but if Brissett struggles I don't know. I mean, if he struggles, I think Dow has been around a while. He looked good against the Eagles Sunday. Why not? So, right. And here's the thing for the Browns, which is why I think some folks have been thinking that they could make a, a move for Garoppolo. Deshaun Watson is out for 12 weeks. Okay. He's going to miss 11 games. Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, and Amari Cooper, among others, are all in their prime right now. Are you legitimately a contender with Deshaun Watson out for 11 games this year and inevitably rusty when he comes back? 
if Jacoby Brissett quarterbacks you to five and six, is that good enough? I mean, this is the bed the Browns have made. And they've made it. Don't, don't get me wrong. They deserve everything that people are saying about them. But that that's the that's the thought process. And if Brissett isn't getting it done, they will go to Dobbs. So uh, and Dobbs, honestly, from a fantasy perspective, Ross, at least in and of himself, would have more upside because he's way more mobile than Jacoby Brissett is. What about Joe? Other things from preseason games that really jumped out to you, or or injuries, or any. Go go over the other list of the top two, three. Just do one at a time of things that were really notable. Yeah. So, Damian Pierce. This is really intriguing. the uh, The running back, the rookie running back from the Texans, was arrested in the Texans' second preseason game, while Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead are splitting reps with the first team. Now, you can also say, "Oh, he must have had something." He might have had an injury or something. No, he was out there practicing. And and Jonathan Alexander of the Houston Chronicle is out there saying, oh, man, he's got a rapport with Davis Mills in the passing game. I mean, I can't recall the last time, like, a fourth-round rookie at a skill position was rested during the preseason, inevitably or, or ostensibly to protect him. But Damian Pierce is looking like the starting running back for the Houston Texans. And the Texans might not be very good. So I want to pump the brakes. Like, I'm not telling you to take Damian Pierce in the fifth round. But, I mean, this is going to be the guy in your hometown drafts this year. Everybody's going to say, oh, this Pierce guy. He's way down on the ADP list on Yahoo or ESPN or NFL.com. I'm going to sneak him through. Everybody's going to be thinking the same exact thing on Damian Pierce. So that was certainly something that stood out to me. Also, uh, for those of you in deep PPR leagues, here's a here's a name to keep an eye on. Amir Abdullah. Um, the Raiders uh, informed uh, Kenyon Drake that he's going to be released. And Amir Abdullah is kind of playing the James White spot in Josh McDaniel's offense. Um, both Josh Jacobs and Amir Abdullah rested in the uh, preseason week two, which kind of indicated that they're at the top of the depth chart as the early down back and the passing down back. And last year with the Panthers, Amir Abdullah very quietly caught 24 passes over the final six games of the season. If uh, So over the full season, that would be around 70 catches if you extrapolate that. Now, I'm not telling you that he's going to catch 70 passes, but for those of you in PPR leagues, you know, those running backs, Ross, who catch three, four, five passes and can give you 10 to 12 points a week can be really valuable. So I'd keep an eye on Amir Abdullah. We know we're avoiding Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, the vibes were bad on him. Uh, there was just a report from ESPN's Paul Gutierrez coming out that he could lose passing down work to Abdullah and goal line carries to Zamir White. Well, what is the least valuable role in fantasy football for a running back between the 20s guy who doesn't catch passes? And it looks like that could be Josh Jacobs. I don't want anything to do with him. Um, I really didn't want him last year. And he was better than I thought he would be last year. But it really appears like the Raiders want to focus on a committee here at running back. And I don't think that's going to be good for Josh Jacobs. Joe, it's happening. Uh, Either Geno Smith or Drew Locke, they're going to start for the Seahawks this year. Probably some combination of both. I think they're going to be a really bad team. What does it mean for Lockett and DK Metcalf is the question. I mean, they're not good quarterbacks, but 
They might have to throw it a lot. Well, at the very least, Metcalf, and I'm going to pull up the exact stats here. At the very least, Metcalf um, uh, got decent numbers last year when Geno Smith started. But uh, let me find the exact quote from Pete Carroll before I get to that. And uh, I'll make a joke that I made myself laugh with. Um, So Pete Carroll said, we may have two number ones with Geno Smith and Drew Locke, and he insinuated that they might use both guys. Well, Ross, they might have two number ones, according to Pete Carroll, but I will tell them that they certainly have number two because this (laughs) is the worst quarterback situation in the NFL, bar none. Now, here is the thing with Metcalf. It's a small sample size, for sure, but in Geno Smith's three starts in 2021, he did gravitate to DK. DK averaged 17.2 fantasy points per game in Geno's three starts compared to 13.9 fantasy points per game in Russell Wilson's 14 starts. But obviously we know DK Metcalf has been a league winner in the past with Russell Wilson. Um, if Drew Locke gets the starts, though, that's not so good. In his career, Cortland Sutton in Denver averaged 30% Fewer fantasy points per game in lock starts versus all other Bronco quarterbacks. The same was true for Jerry Judy, who averaged 10% fewer fantasy points per game with Drew Locke versus all other Bronco quarterbacks. And for Tim Patrick, who averaged 18% fewer fantasy points per game versus Drew Locke, uh, with Drew Locke versus all other Denver quarterbacks. So if I'm looking for Seattle to have an offense that can at least get fantasy points out of Lockett, and Geno Smith uh, at a, uh, and Metcalf, I'm probably rooting for Geno Smith to be the quarterback. Um, Geno now apparently is a very popular ro- locker room guy, which pro- might might uh, help matters with the way Pete Carroll runs his ship. But uh, I mean, I am rooting from a fantasy perspective for Geno Smith to start at quarterback. And just listen to that sentence again. Rewind 15 seconds. Listen to that sentence again, and that tells you the state of the Seattle Seahawks right now. By the way, Kenneth Walker might not be ready for week one because he had hernia surgery. Um, and I don't think it's a sports hernia. I think it was like an inguinal hernia, like the intestine hernia. And Pete Pete Carroll, of course, Pete said, oh, he's still sore. Well, no crap, Pete. He had a procedure a week ago where you, he had a scalpel inserted into his abdomen. You are going to be sore a week after that. Uh, it's just a matter of how, how much he recovers. Bad vibes on the Seahawks, man. Really bad vibes. I will say this. And I talked with Sam Munson on Monday's Ross Tucker football podcast about this. Their two rookie tackles actually look pretty good. Those guys, yeah, Charles Cross, um, Abe Lucas, they've, they've looked pretty good, which is a positive. They need that. And then what's interesting about those guys, Ross, is they played at Mississippi State and Washington State, both of which have the Mike Leach connection. So those guys are dropping into a pass set, what, like 75 times a game in college? Which is like, I mean, now, Ross, you you yourself have said how tiring and exhausting constantly dropping back into pass sets is, right? I mean, you prefer run blocking. No, no. Pass rushing is the most tiring thing. What I said about pass protection is it's just not fun. You're, you're just like, um, <laughs> yeah. you are not the attacker. You are the attackee. You know, you're you're kind of playing – even though you're on offensive side of the ball, you're kind of playing defense. Yeah. And it's just not its not what you like to do. I mean, there aren't very many offensive linemen out there that would rather pass block than run block. Yeah, so um, uh, I think that's a good sign, though, because 
you know, you think of the Seahawks, and, and, and this is how they're going to play this year. They're not dropping back. They're not dropping Geno and Locke back 45 times a game. They're going to run the football. I just think it's interesting that those guys have looked so good given their college background. I don't know if that surprised you a little either. Yeah, I have been. And they've been physical, too. I, I like it. It's a good sign. You know, well, I really uh, liked Charles Cross, yeah. Yeah, a couple of things I definitely want to mention. One is Mike Gesicki. Now there's rumors that he's on the trade block, that they've had some conversations. I know that literally while we're recording this, 11.25 a.m., he just suffered some type of minor injury. Um, I don't know. They said that he was uh, – something bothered him in his neck or head area. So forget that part of it. Just what about the fact he's getting all these reps in preseason games, Joe, and he's supposedly on the trade market? Who, is that Mike Kosicki? Yes. So here's the thing he, about He's Kisicki. okay. He's back in team drills. This is like yeah. – I feel like I'm doing play-by-play during the fantasy feast. Oh my god! Like th- this is like I'm I'm honestly just rooting for all these joint practices to be over because between now I know why teams are doing them and I think coaches view them as more valuable than preseason games. But on August 24th, there's only bad things that can happen in these joint preseason games. Our takes are pretty much well boiled at this point. They're marinated. Um, we want we don't want injuries. That's what we don't want. But here's the thing about Kasiki. And one of the reasons I haven't really been drafting him a whole lot. I mean, I've dabbled if I needed a second tight end in best ball and his bye week matched up. But I just didn't know, like, what kind of fit he'd be in this offense. Now, you look at um, San Francisco, uh, where Mike McDaniel came from, and you're like, oh, my God, you know, Kittle's a god in that offense. But here's the difference. Mike Kosicki in his career has essentially been a big slot receiver. George Kittle is in line. He's a nasty blocker. That is not Mike Kosicki's game. What happened this offseason? That not only did um, Miami trade for Tyreek Hill, but they signed Cedric Wilson. They gave Cedric Wilson all this money. Now, if you were to get uh, Chris Greer over a couple of beers and say, hey, would you have signed Cedric Wilson if you knew that you were going to trade for Tyreek Hill? My guess is he would probably say no. But what is Mike Kosicki's role going to be in this offense? And if he's playing in line more in the way like a George Kittle played in San Francisco, that does not accentuate the positives of Mike Kosicki's game. So I really don't like him for fantasy this year in Miami. Now, there are certainly teams out there who could look for an upgrade at the tight end position and like, you know, we could use that big wide receiver type. We could use a guy to split out wide. You know, I... I know Dawson Knox isn't necessarily that guy in Brian Dable's offense, but looking at the state of the Giants' skill positions with all the injuries they have, I feel like the Giants could be a fit there. You know, maybe I don't know how the Commanders feel about Logan Thomas, but maybe the Commanders could be a fit. So I think there are certainly teams that would be interested in trading for Mike Kosicki. And quite frankly, Ross, I think his fantasy of uh, his fantasy uh, impact would improve elsewhere because I'm not really feeling it with Miami. Last thing I wanted to make sure I got in, Joe, how about my boy Justin Watson? Is he a thing, mm. Joe? I mean, I'm just telling you, my my freshman year was 1997. He's the best Ivy League player I've ever seen. So that's 25 wow. years, okay? He was the runner-up for player of the year three years in a row 
which is awful, by the way. He's an amazing player. Just watching that Chiefs game on Saturday and seeing Watson and Mahomes talking on the sideline, I think he's going to be a thing, Joe. I think this is real. Uh, and and uh, the Chiefs, Chiefs uh, beat writers have not even, like, there was, like, or a couple weeks ago, there was talk, like, oh, you know, he's making a push for a roster spot. I don't even think that's that's not even in question anymore. Um, obviously, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's missed some time in camp. Nicole Hardman had that minor groin thing. No, I'm with you, Ross. Justin Watson could very well be a thing. And, unfortunately, this could put a damper on the, the, the shares of, of Marquez Valdez-Scantling and maybe Sky Moore, who both are – I mean, they paid Marquez Valdez-Scantling a lot of money, and Sky Moore was a high draft pick. Both of those guys are going to play. But I think this could hurt, you know, me, Cole Hardman, if Justin Watson's a thing. He can, he's big. He can run. Um, so, in ways, he's like Valdez-Scantling. But this guy's a supreme athlete, and – if he's going to run down the field and get open, Patrick Mahomes is going to find him. He is absolutely a deep sleeper to keep. And I'm not telling you to draft him this weekend, okay? Um, maybe if you're in a 30-round draft, you can do it. I'm not telling you to do that. But he's somebody to keep an eye on early in the preseason. Listen to what Ross said. He was the best Ivy League player ever he, you've ever seen. Go Quakers. Um, and also, he uh, he's playing in an offense where there could be theoretical opportunity. Let's say he scores a touchdown in week one. That's somebody who uh, you probably shouldn't. Oh, that's a fluke. Yeah, probably should keep an up, uh, keep an eye on him uh, on your waiver wire for sure. Especially once we see the snap shares coming out from Week One and how the Chiefs rotate these wide receivers. By the way, I have seen this. I want to I want to mention two things about playing time in the preseason. I did see a Twitter take that we should be concerned about Travis Kelsey only being a part time player with the ones during the preseason. Oh my God. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you kidding me? No. Travis Kelsey doesn't need to play all the snaps with the ones in the preseason. You're nuts. You're fired. Done. Pull the plug. Check him uh, out. And one more. Oh, go ahead. One more, Ross. Brees Hall had four carries for one yard in the Jets' um, pre second preseason game. The only, like, starters the Jets played were essentially their rookies. Uh, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson. It was behind a backup offensive line. Against the first team. I know the Falcons defense is going to stink, but it was still their first team defense. Four carries for one yard. I don't care. Do not overreact to that, please. There Check him go. out on social media. I love this guy. At FG underscore Dolan. Such a rock star. Love the passion. Love the energy. Go to fantasypoints.com. Use the code 22feast. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. Oh, make sure you're checking my social media at Ross Tucker NFL. Because I got some Madden codes I'll be giving away over the next week or so, which should be interesting. Other than that, I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.